again and welcome in. Wherever you are today, wherever you're listening from, I'm so happy to have you over to feast upon God's Word together. Get your plate ready today and take a seat. It's the 44, which is Matthew 4, 4. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's eat. I'm your host, Jed Yancey, here from the Central Church of Christ in the beautiful city of Ocala, Florida. A little hot, but still beautiful. And today, I want to share with you something that's, uh, I guess I would say, has been weighing heavily on me. And I think that really it started in my preparation for our men's Bible study that we've been doing on Mondays. And this last week, we talked through altering our thinking and this idea of casting our anxieties or transferring the weight of what's going on between the ears over to God. And in that, I presented some statistics to the men in our group about just how poor men are in general at speaking up and speaking out. Uh, when things are going on, like the, the whole idea that most of the things we go through and struggle with as men, uh, we keep to ourselves and we don't seek out help when it's truly needed. We don't speak up. We don't speak out. And men have their own reasons for being that way. And I guess all that really got me thinking in the direction of where we're at in this country. Uh, like just how many voices have been confined to, to live inside the brain because of our very own reasons, like maybe because I'm outnumbered or, um, I'm worried about being canceled in the world of cancel culture. And, and really, I, I guess my mind started to go into thinking about how many elements of, of truth we hold captive inside from the standpoint that we're afraid to call uh, sin, sin, or we're afraid to speak up or to speak out or even more importantly, speak truth, uh, God's word, God's truth. Like a- as you look around, we're almost at the point now where it is considered wrong to speak the truth, where we feel funny about opening our mouths on something that God says is not okay for it to be this way. And I think most especially this has become even more apparent to me in the month or two since the donut episode and all that that entailed. I I mean, um, what I'm about to say, um, I say with as much humility is I can muster up because some of the positive comments back to me about what I spoke on in those three episodes in a row were things like, man, that was, that was brave. Uh, or, or Jed, man, that, that was really bold. And, and then most especially, um, we need more to, to speak up and to speak out and, and not just on that topic that I address specifically, But to speak up about the truth, and not only do I appreciate so much all those comments, but I would say 1,000% yes in agreement that there's got to be more out there willing to speak the truth. Not, Not your truth, not my truth, but God's truth. 
You see, if if you're a Christian, we're in this really awkward spot with some of the things that are happening around us. We know they're wrong, and yet more and more, I don't know about you guys, but I find myself having to live in this place of almost like agreement and go along with the crowd and be a part of the bystanders just because the majority agrees that something God said is is not okay is accepted and it's tolerated. And, and let me tell you now that that right there, for me, I, I guess, is a dangerous place to be. Why? Well, can you even begin to imagine the endless possibilities of consequence when good Christian people stop speaking God's truth? Can you even begin to imagine all of the outcomes possible if all of the good Christian people side with the world around us? And not from the standpoint that we agree with the world, but from the standpoint that we say nothing, that we do nothing. And I don't know about you guys, but that is really scary to think about. Like, as I think on what God's Word tells us, what exactly is it that we should be in regards to the stuff going on around us? Are there any examples in Scripture of the early Christians being outnumbered? or being canceled for what they said or, or what truths they spoke. Well, you know, in looking at God's Word, like, you better believe it. I mean, you take your pick of the places in the book of Acts, right? Um, not going to call out any specifics here, but the amount of persecution and imprisonment, they're, they're beaten, they're spat on, they're scattered from their homes, they're killed even. And I know I've used it before on previous episodes, but the greatest visual, I think, of just how bad it was then is Hebrews chapter 11. In that great hall of faith chapter there at the end, as we can read that there were some that were tortured and faced jeers and flogging and chains and stoning. They're sawed in two. They're killed by the sword. They're persecuted. They're mistreated like really bad stuff. And yet what we see is that stuff, as bad as it was, didn't stop them from speaking up and speaking out, even though they were in the minority. Those are the brave. Those are the bold. Those are the ones that are enjoying now that something better that God has planned, as is written at the end of that chapter. But even before this, though, consider Jesus, the one who says over and over, be salt, be light, be different, don't act like them, don't do this, uh, behave this way. Um, and, and then all of the examples that we have of him in the gospel accounts of his persecution, uh, the names that he was called, all the junk, all the stuff, and yet he keeps on speaking up and speaking out all the way until it was finished. So really, I guess the point of all of this, and even going here with this episode, is to ask this. Where are you in the midst of all this mess we live in now?
Are you in the minority? Are you different? Or are you just going along for the ride with the rest of the world? Because I'm going to tell you what God's word says and tells us is that, man, if if you're going to be the person who says, I'm a Christian, well, you better be prepared to take up that cross every day and be ready to be bold and be courageous and to be brave and most especially be those things when times are the hardest and the world is a mess. And so really quick, let me go back to the endless possibilities of consequences I spoke of there at the beginning. If we decide we aren't going to be the kind of people God has called us to be, what are some of those endless possibilities of consequences. If we aren't going to be those who are bold and brave and speak up for the truth, again, I don't mean the truth as I see it or the truth from my perspective, but the truth from God's word, then one of those potential outcomes that we can read about is very similar to the time of Abraham and the cities referenced uh, in scriptures, Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, many people believe that it was the widespread homosexuality of the people there that that earned their obliteration and destruction. And and while that might be the case, there were clearly some other things going on. It wasn't just that. And, And more and more at a time jumped right in or stood by and did nothing in the midst of these other biblical references to Sodom and Gomorrah, like uh, Jude chapter 1 and verse 7, which mentions sexual immorality and unnatural lust and abominable things. Ezekiel chapter 16, um, there in verse 50. As a matter of fact, I, I want to take a second and just read you this piece from Ezekiel 16, because I think that the wording here really hits home with exactly the point that I'm trying to make of all that we should not be. Even if we don't stand in favor or agree with all that's going on, God speaks here through Ezekiel and says, As I live, declares the Lord, Sodom, your sister and her daughters, have not done as you and your daughters have done. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease. Some versions read unconcerned. That's what they were. They were unconcerned. But it goes on to say, she did not help the poor or the needy. Thus, they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. Like, I hope you see what I see in reading that or hear what I hear in reading that. Rather than speaking up or speaking out and speaking the truth, his truth, rather than remaining righteous and and standing up for our faith, we're just along for the ride in the land of the unconcerned and the arrogant. To be unconcerned and along on that ride requires zero salt. It requires zero light, zero differentness 
uh, if that's a word, probably not. But you see the the idea of brave and bold and courageous is not to be living amongst the mess and along for the ride or standing by while it all unravels before our eyes. The brave, the bold and courageous don't run towards the majority that we know is wrong. They stand with the minority and they stand for the truth. As we close here, let me go back to Sodom and Gomorrah just for a second, because you may remember the story in Genesis 18 and 19. And aside from all the bad that was going on um, there in, in those places, the Cliff Notes version is that it was so bad that God said he was going to obliterate the place because of their iniquity. And he fills in Abraham on his plans to do so. Now, we don't know how many people were living there at that time. I'm I'm sure there's some speculation out there, and I I don't even uh, honestly care to look. It doesn't matter for where we're going. But, But all that to say that Abraham has this conversation with God and says, well, God, before you do that, what if there are 50 righteous people there? Would you spare it then? And God says, sure. And then Abraham, who is described here in this text as, as being bold and considers himself to be bold as, as he has this conversation with God, speaks again and says, well, what about five less than that? What if the number of righteous living there are five less than 50? Will you destroy it for a lack of five people? And God says, if, okay, if I find 45 there, then no, I won't destroy it. And as you probably already know, Abraham whittles this number all the way down to 10, which is really interesting. And, and one day, maybe we can take on this conversation between Abraham and God a, a little more in depth. But, but anyways, to that, God even says, sure, 10, 10 it is. If I find just 10 righteous there, I won't destroy it for the sake of 10. Such a small number and probably a really small percentage compared to the overall population of people living at that time. I I won't destroy it for sake of those 10. And yet as we read, the rest is history. There weren't 10 and the place was destroyed. In fact, after it was destroyed, we can read that Abraham woke the next morning and he goes back to the place where he had this conversation with God and he looks down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and he sees a dense smoke rising from the land like the smoke from a furnace. It's gone. All of it. And I reference that story to ask this. Like, If even 10 people in a doomed city are still willing to remain righteous and are still willing to speak, does it blow your mind like mine does that in this instance, even 10 like that could have saved this place from being destroyed? You see, in the midst of all that surrounds us, my question today is, Are you one of the few? Are you a part of that very small percentage of people? You see, genuine faith and courage is becoming more and more rare. 
Not many people possess it, and nor do they really want to. And so let me ask again, are you one of the few? Are you one of the ten? Are you one of the rare? Or are you just like the norm? Are you standing by unconcerned? Let me encourage you today for your 44 to be bold, be courageous, be different, stand firm, and stand tall in your faith. Speak up, and when you do, speak the truth. Not yours, but His. Guys, as always, I thank you so much for listening. I love you, and I'll talk to you next week.